0: No further prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to study it. We ask you to be with us and guide us, teach us what you would have us to see from this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Judges, chapter 21. It's the continuation and the final chapter of the of the story that we've been following. In chapter 19, remember we had the Levite and his concubine. His concubine ran off committing adultery. He went after her, found her at her father's house. They started back home. They decided not to go to Jerusalem because it was a foreign city. They went to the, the city in uh, Benjamin. And while they were in Benjamin, the, the men of the city went out to try to rape him. He gave them his, his concubine. They murdered his concubine. They, he, took the concubine home, cut her up into 12 pieces, sent one piece to each tribe saying, what are we going to do to solve this great, this great uh, sin? The people gathered together and decided that they were gonna make Benjamin pay, or at least that city, and then Benjamin decided, the tribe of Benjamin decided to defend that city. And you remember we ended out with the last chapter at the end, of the end of this that they had killed all but 600 men of Benjamin. They almost wiped out in their anger and their and their lust for for revenge, they almost wiped out the entire tribe of Benjamin. And that brings us, sketches us up really quick to chapter 21. Verse 1. Now the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. And the people came to the house of God and abode there till, e- till evening before God, and lifted up their voices and wept sore, and said, O Lord God of Israel, why is this come to pass in Israel that there should be... Today one tribe lacking in Israel, and it came to pass on the morrow that the people rose early and built their altar and burnt, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel that came not up with the congregation unto the Lord? For they shall be made. It, for they had made a great oath concerning him that came not up unto the Lord to, to Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel repented them for Benjamin their brother and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. How shall, we do for wo- How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing that we have sworn by the Lord that we shall not give them our wives? All right. So this is a piece of the story that we had not been told before. Remember, Mizpah is where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the, tem- uh, the tabernacle is. The people went there to worship, and while they were there, they made a vow before God that none of them were going to give their wives to Benjamin, their daughters. Uh, pretty serious thing, especially now when we look at the fact that 600 men are all that's left in Benjamin. Uh, because remember, in the last chapter, they've killed. They they went to battle. They went to the towns. They killed. They killed the men, women, animals. They were out they were out to do to Benjamin what they were supposed to have done to all the various people that lived in the promised land before they got there and they came very close to getting rid of them and they made this vow and remember this is a serious thing because in the uh, in the Pentateuch it says that when you make a vow before God you must keep it so this is a serious issue that they're facing there were 12 tribes of Israel and now they virtually wiped one out If they do not get wives there's no tribe of Benjamin within and within a generation or two Uh, and this is something now they're a little sorry they let they let their tempers run they let their anger run and they almost wipe out an entire tribe and this is something we talked about last week when we do things incorrectly sin has repercussions and anger has repercussions that may hurt for a long time uh, if you say words or do things to people that hurt them in the long run, they may forgive you, but they're going to have a hard time forgetting and treating you the way that you were treated before that. And so here they are. They've tried to destroy. Now they're going to God. They're, they're offering sacrifices. They're weeping for God. God, what are we going to do? We've almost wiped out Benjamin. We've made this oath before you, God. How can we fix this problem? Because the other question is, they don't want to take foreign wives. Because what happens every time they take a foreign wife? They a part of that, culture. that culture overtakes them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember how did Balaam tell uh, Balak to get the God angry at his people? He said, send in the women, get them to worship your idols, and God will judge them. And sure enough, God killed thousands of men for for that judgment. They are somewhat aware of the problem if you look at Solomon Solomon married many foreign wives and they took his heart away from God over time and this happens this is why God tells us don't be unequally yoked don't don't be trying to get together with somebody who's not a Christian because they will usually move you away you don't usually move them to God yes it does happen and everybody will point to that one exception you know the one in one in a hundred or, or two in a hundred. Like, see, that person got their, got their spouse saved. God, I can do it. Yeah. No, normally that person takes their spouse away from God. And it's true in the scriptures. And it says they made this oath and the children were repentant. And they're going, okay, where are we going to find wives for Benjamin? <coughs> Verse 8. And they said, what man is... What man is there of the tribes of Israel that came not up to Mizpah, to the Lord? And behold, there came none to the camp of Jabesh J- J- Gilead to the assembly. For the people were numbered and behold, there were none of the children uh, inhabitants of Jabesh J- Gilead there. And the congregation sent to their 12,000 men of, of the valiantest and commanded them saying, go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh J- Gilead with the sword and the women and the children with the women and children And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman that have lain with a man. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, 400 young virgins that had known no man by laying with any male. And they brought them to the camp of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. And the whole congregation sent some to speak to the children of Benjamin that were at the Rock of Rimen and called peacefully unto them. And Benjamin came again at that time and they gave them wives, which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. And yet so they sufficed them not. And the people repented them of Benjamin because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. All right, so here we are. They're looking for who did not respond to the call. Okay, who? what city did not come? Because in the last chapter, we did mention that they'd made an oath. Whoever doesn't come is gonna be cut off. They're, they're just as bad. They're, they're saying that this sin is okay, and if they don't come, They're they're wrong. And they found out that Jabesh Gilead did not come. The city of Jabesh Gilead did not come. Now Jabesh Gilead is a very famous town. It's mentioned all the time in the scriptures. And they're the ones that will go out and get Saul's body later on. So Jabesh Gilead is gonna be re-inhabited by somebody. (laughs) I don't know who, but they don't change the name. But they say, okay, these people did not send anybody out to wreak vengeance upon this tribe or this city that was causing great sin, and what was that great sin? Sodomy, rape, uh, murder, and you know such as. Remember, the the man that he met in the town square said, "Get off the street. You cannot stay on the street." He goes, "No, I'll be fine in the street." He goes, "No, get off." He this, the reputation of the city was known to the people that it was a not a place we stayed out in the open at night, and so. Jabez Gilead did and look at this, they sent 12,000 mighty men. And it says valiantest, the most, the, the strongest, the most brave men, and commanded them to say, go kill everybody in Jabez Gilead, all right? All Jabez Gilead did was not send anybody out to this battle, all right? Now granted, they probably should have. But this is a pretty severe punishment not going out to battle. And all they had to do was send one. They were looking for the one that hadn't said nobody. And this whole town, and you know, it doesn't tell us how big the town was. All right, It's big enough that they find 400 young girls or young women who have never been married. So that would tell us it's a fairly significant size, size town. It's not, it's not a really small village. It's not a monstrous size town you know but there's 400 young women in there that have never been married and and been with a man and they put them to, they kill them and you know look at this they kill the men the women and the children and the only ones they're leaving alive are the young girls and you know there's probably a reason for this because when they kidnap all these young girls there's going to be fathers and and betrothed people that are going to be a little upset so I can almost understand they're getting rid of anybody who might come after them. And saying, no, you're not gonna rescue these people. And they take 400 girls, and they show up back to Benjamin, and they call out to Benjamin, they say they come under, they say they call them peacefully. In our day, we'd say they, they have the white, white flag up. You know, I don't know what they used in their day to say they were peacefully, but in our day, we go, they're waving the white flag. and they give these 600 men 400 girls. Now, I've, you can probably figure that this is going to be a problem, even in, in itself. Uh, you know, the men have more than one wife frequently, but now none of them want to share their <laughs> wife with another man. So we've got a little bit of a problem coming up. Not enough girls. <laughs> and But there was only one city that had not sent anybody to them. So there's nobody else that they can take. The, the girls from, and so we're going to look at what they've done to fix this, fix this problem, and, but it says in verse 15, the people repented them for Benjamin because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel, well, the Lord they did anyway, they tried to kill off an entire tribe, and this is going to be a very big issue as they go along. Verse 16, Then the elders of the congregation said, How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for them that have escaped of Benjamin, that the tribe shall not be destroyed uh, out of Israel. Howbeit we may not give them wives of our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, Cursed be he that gives a wife to Benjamin. Okay, so here we have more of the same problem. All right. This problem is now being reiterated for the third time. Okay, it started out, we've got a problem. We almost killed out Benjamin. What are we going to do? Let's kill, let's kill the guys in Bed Gilead. Let's take their, their girls and send them to them because there's a problem. And now they're looking and say, there's still not enough girls. Okay, and remember, the guys that got through this battle, 600 fighting men, these are guys at the prime of their life most likely. All right, because uh, out of the, what was it, 26,000, if I remember right, that went to battle, only 600 live they got to be the strongest the best the best of the army these guys are marrying age they want to have wives they want to have t- children they want to have families and there's only 400 girls to be to go around and these guys are going what are we going to do we made a promise to god that whoever gives the wife is going to be cursed now it's kind of interesting follow this because this is interesting Israel is not at the height of its righteousness at this point. But this vow thing to them is being very significant. They've been worshiping idols, they've been worshiping all these things. The towns are getting bad just like Benjamin has has seen. Yet when it comes to the idea of the vow this has become sacred to them. And I just kinda think sometimes how often do really strange things become sacred to Christians. Now sometimes they mean nothing, you know, they're not really that important and yet hear this vow. Okay. And we shared with you, there was a time when when people would go, you know, you can't drink, you can't smoke if you're a Christian, you can't dance, you can't go to the movies. There was a time when you couldn't watch TV, you know, if you did any of these things, you know, women if they wore pants, they they weren't a good Christian, men if they had long hair, they weren't a good Christian. And they made all these rules and they made them very sacred okay violate any of these rules and you are just not a good Christian and you know that's a very sad thing that happens and yet it frequently happens it really does it frequently happens in churches where something gets lifted up that is just maybe even good and important like the vow God God told them to keep their vows but this vow to them has become sacred Uh, there's people who will you know, as we were talking about earlier, you, you got to use the right version of the Bible. And there are churches where it, there's different versions. Usually it's the King James, but there's there's certain churches where it's different versions. And if you're not using the right version, oh well, heaven help you, you're not, you're not a strong Christian. Uh, if you don't, if you're in a church and you don't have communion every single week of the uh, of the year, then you're something wrong with you. Or you got something, so if you have it every week, you're something wrong with you because you have it every week. You know, uh, you know, you've got to be careful you know what is important is Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected you know and the fact that the Bible is true we need to be careful because so often we get so stuck on the the small things out there and you know we want to be very careful because here these people are stuck and they've made a vow they're to keep it I'm just surprised they knew that they were supposed to keep yeah, it to sort of the exactly they really are we have almost wiped these people out. Now we're, now we're down into this you know, we got to keep this because we made a vow and yes they've got to keep this but all the vows, that, all this, the areas of God that they're violating is, is a pretty critical area. And you know this is why it's so important because we as Christians need to be careful that we're not judging one another. We're not judging other people by what they do or don't do. It is what have they done with Jesus Christ? Because if they have Jesus Christ in their heart, he's going to work on all the other parts of their life, in each of us as well. You know, my job is not to stand around judging everybody and go, oh, you know what, that person, I don't know about them. You know, they sure curse a lot. I can't understand how a Christian could be cursed. And they, you know, that person, they hardly ever come to church. You know, how can they be a Christian? And we all do all these kind of things you know, saying, you know, in our judgment, and we've got to be very careful. They stand or fall before God. Now, if you're close to them and you've been praying for them and you really love them, you might be able to say, you know, I really wish you'd come to church more often. We miss you. But make sure it's in love and kind, not where have you been? You know, where have you been? How come you're not there? They they may be taking care of a sick Well, there may be any number of reasons, you know, that we don't know why they may or may not be there. But, you know, we want to be very careful that we're not judging other believers. We stand or fall before God and, you know, the problem is somebody who's been a Christian for a long time may have a lot of things look, worked out of their life, and they look at the new Christian like, well, how come you aren't where I am? I've only been following God for 40 years, and you're not following God as well as I am. You know, what's wrong with you? you now, we've got to be careful of that, because a lot of times it is older Christians who, who judge younger Christians. The younger Christians, though, may go, well, you're just so sto- stoic, you won't do anything. And they may judge him for not doing <laughs> things. So we gotta be very careful and say each person needs to stand before God. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. As we read God's word, he'll tell us what we can and can't do. And you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, where God says thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not commit fornication. You know, there are certain things that we know are wrong because God says they are. But you know, when it comes to certain other things, you know, what can you say about somebody? What, how far can you go? What, you know. Uh, can you smoke? Can you drink? Can you, can you, as Paul said, eat meat offered to idols? Which was a big deal to some of the Corinthians, okay? Because they were followers of those idols, and they were struggling with, okay, this meat was offered to the guy that I used to worship. Okay, now I know it's just a piece of stone, but you know how quick can you change? Think about this: when God convicts you of something in your life, and you're going to change it, and it's something you've done for a long time. Can you usually just change overnight or do you have to fight with it for a little while and and let it get crucified and and work with it? And this is why we need to be careful and, and loving to one another and saying, I'm gonna give you room to grow. Not expect you to be perfect overnight because I'm not perfect overnight, so how can I expect anybody else to be perfect? And this is how we need to be able to look at it. Doesn't mean I condone sin. It doesn't mean I say, oh, it's okay for you to sin. But they stand or fall before God. And God has a reason for this. And I've shared this before. You know, maybe I'm concerned about somebody's cigarettes. And I'm hammering them on, you've got to stop cigarettes. But God's worried about some other really big sin in their life that's going to hurt them. You know, they're, 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 they're doing drugs on the side, you know, hardcore drugs that might kill them on an overdose. I'm worried about the cigarettes. God's worried about the drugs that's going to kill, you know, that he knows is going to kill them in a couple of weeks. And I'm sitting there, well, you really shouldn't be smoking, you really. And I get them so worried about their smoking that God can't even he- communicate with them about what he cares about. Or, you know, they're going out and picking up a prostitute. You know, you know we need to be careful. And I use smoking just not be- for the very reason that it- there isn't a verse that says, thou shall not smoke. Uh, you know, and we want to be careful. These people are hung up on this. Rightfully so. God said, don't, don't take a vow lightly. But you think about all the stuff they've been doing up till this point, and now they're stuck on this one commandment of God. And you know, we want to be very careful about that always in our life. Don't get stuck on one thing of God. If God's working on you in an area, that's fine. Learn it, grow in it. But don't sit there and try to make others grow in that same area. Verse 19. And they said, Behold. There is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh yearly in a a place which is on the north side of Bethel on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and on the south of Lebanon therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin go and lie in wait in the vineyards and see and behold if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance and dances then come you out of the vineyards and catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. And it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain, that we will say unto them, Be favorable unto them for our sakes, because we reserved not to each man his wife in, in war, for we did not give unto them at this time that you shall be and you should be guilty. And the children of Benjamin did so, and took them wives according to their number of, the, of them that danced whom they caught. And they went and returned unto their inheritance, and repaired their cities, and dwelt there. And the children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family. And they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. In those days there was no king of Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes." All right. Here is their wonderful solution to the problem. We can't find enough women, so we're going to let them kidnap whoever they want. One of the things that happens is when we sin and there's consequences for sin those consequences can be long-term and here is a long-term consequence that they're facing they went out and almost destroyed Benjamin and they're having to dream up non-biblical ways to fix their problem. And I get that many times people come up You know, how can I make this right? How can I do what God wants me to do after I have violated for 15 years God's word? And I'm going, this is going to be a tough one because there's consequences for your sin. And this is the problem. This is why we need to take sin very seriously in our life. Because I say it over and over and I drill it in because I want people to understand. Sin has consequence. And those consequences may mean that some very interesting, strange things have to be done to try to get your life back into into to alignment. People who get divorced and then get remarried and then get divorced and get remarried and all of a sudden they've got, you know, three or four families to deal with and try to blend together. You know, how hard it is is it to get married and then try to figure out where are we going for Christmas dinner the first year? Are we going to the husband's house or the wife's family? Or are we staying in our own home? Uh, you know, are we going to grandma? You know, our family's always gone to, to grandma's house. What do we, you know, and your other one has always gone to mom, you know, been at mom's house. Where, what do you do? You know, and that's just two. That's just blending two families together. Start trying to blend the three family thing together, four family thing together. Uh, How about this one? You've got kids with three or four husbands or three or four wives, you know, and then you're trying to blend your families together and you're not even, there's not even a blood relationship there because of the no family relationship. And they go, well, now how do I fix this? You know, it's not like you have family, you know, kids with one, you know, one and one. And you say, well, if you, if God's leading, you know, saying that you get married, uh, and that's not always the best answer. It's the right answer, but not always the best. Uh, but you know, again, if you have three, four different, you know, uh, husbands or wives—you know, excuse me—not even husbands, or wives, but partners with different, or kids from different, different families—and that's happening a lot in our day. We've got, you know, women who have had children from f- four or five different, uh, you know, men. You've got men who've got children with, you know, four or five w- different women. And then you sit there and try to say, "Okay, God, now what do I do? How do I raise my kids?" You know, you've got too many kids to be able to support all of them to begin with, especially when you have to try to support you know that many families. So their answer comes down to there's a feast coming up for God at Shiloh. Shiloh again is where the altar is, Mizpah of Shiloh, and it says there's going to be a big feast. There's going to be partying going on, and they say the women are going to come there and they're going to they're going to dance and and enjoy themselves. And they go, Benjamin, you come on up here, and when you see the girl that you like dancing and partying around there, go kidnap her. You know, they didn't use a kidnapper. They said take her, but they, they're talking kidnapping here. Uh, and, you know, it says, and then in verse 20, it says, go and lie in wait in the vineyards. And see and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance dances, and then come out of the vineyards and catch every man a wife his wife and the daughters of Shiloh and go back to your go back to your land. Okay so they are saying go up there basically to 200 of them go up there steal 200 of our girls you know we'll just we'll just take whoever it is that you steal (laughs) to be your wives. Now there's nothing godly about this decision. Okay Uh, there's nothing godly about this idea of going and kidnapping. God has commanded that kidnapping is a capital offense, and yet they're telling them, go, go kidnap these girls and take them back to your land. All right, they're worried about the vow, which God says has significance, and you're supposed to keep your vow, and you're going to be chastised if you break your vow, and now they're encouraging these guys to go kidnap, which is a capital offense uh, in, in Jewish, under Jewish law. Do you understand how this whole idea, they're, they're struggling, they're trying to figure out, how do we make it right? We've got our rule, we made a vow, and our vow was sacred to us. We can't violate this vow because oh my goodness, it would be bad things will happen to us if we violate this vow. Okay? There will be curses, there will be there'll be judgment upon them for violating the keeping of their vow. God said so. But they would rather have these guys commit a capital offense than break their vow and give give them daughters. Do you understand how bad this is? And yet, oftentimes, we even as Christians will do this kind of stuff. We'll get ourselves, you know, we call it a catch-22. There's no right answer one way or the other. You know, all we can do is try to obey God. And if we get ourselves too deeply into sin, trying to obey God can be difficult sometimes. Because how do you make it right? You know, go back to the idea of having slept around with a bunch of women. The Bible says that if a man is laid with a woman, he's too treat her as a wife and he can't divorce her you know so now he gets three or four women this way and he's supposed to treat each one of them as a wife that doesn't work well in our world because it's against the law to have more than one wife okay uh, and so we see a problem here and their problem is okay God we are we made about we can't we cannot break our vow God because you'll punish us but we'll have those guys break your law as well now, now, whether they didn't understand the law, didn't care about the law, I don't know. But they're trying to justify their, their wrongdoing. And so often we get a position where people try to justify. You know, well, God, the really bad things are happening. I've got to choose which is the worst. Well, God, if I break it, you're going to be mad at me. But if I get them to break it, you'll, you'll be mad at them. <laughs> Go for it, you guys. And that's literally what they're doing. You now, rather than take the punishment for their misdeeds, they're going to encourage somebody else who's in a desperate state. These men want and need wives, and so they're in a desperate state. They're going to take whatever offer that is given to them. And they say, okay guys, go ahead and kidnap these women. I know it's a capital punishment, but we will, we'll, we'll, we'll tell the, the fathers and the brothers to, to not pursue you. Uh, in other words you know you're gonna have a capital punishment and we're going to buy out the buy out the punishment very much like when Jesus was resurrected remember the the guards went to the Sanhedrin and said hey he's resurrected and they said okay here we're going to give you money and this is the story you're going to tell okay and remember their story it was one of the greatest whopper of lies and easy to see through lies the only one better was, was uh, Aaron's when he said, I threw the gold in the fire and out came this golden, golden uh, calf, you know, it just popped out. I threw the gold in and this came out. Their lie was just as, just as bad in one sense. While we were sleeping, wow. the disciples came and stole the body. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just a whole ton of problems with that. Number one, a guard is not supposed to sleep but a military guard does not sleep when they're on duty at least not every one of them. It is a capital crime to sleep when you're on guard duty and still is today in our military. Now you usually just get dishonorably discharged but during the war time you can be killed for sleeping on guard duty and summarily killed for sleeping on guard duty. That was the same back then. Okay. So first they say we were sleeping when we weren't supposed to. The entire 16 of us, all of us were sleeping. And while we were sleeping, the disciples came and stole the body. And I don't know, and I've said this many times, I don't know how many people can tell you what happens when they're sleeping. When I'm asleep, unless I wake up out of my sleep, I don't know anything. I go to sleep, the alarm goes off, it seems like I've only been asleep for a few minutes, and I look at the clock and it's been four, five, six, seven, eight hours. <laughs> You know, it sure seems like it's been a short time and if anything could have happened during that time, and I would not have known. Okay. Same thing here. Okay, guys, we're gonna buy off these parents you know, these fathers, these brothers, these these uh, potential mates, and they're gonna we're gonna just tell them to leave you alone. And that's what it says in verse twenty two. And it shall be when their fathers and their brothers come to us to complain, that we will say to them be favorable to them for our sakes. Because we reserve not to each man his wife in the war, for you did not give unto them this time, and you should be guilty. If you don't give to them, you know, hey, you know, we made this pledge and we didn't give daughter, you know, so if you don't give to them to make up for this, you're guilty. Okay, they're trying to make them feel bad for wanting to obey the law. And you know, this happens so often. You know, even in Christian circles when somebody says you know I've got to be able to do this and people are, well you're just being legalistic and judgmental well I don't know did they make, did they judge you or not and if they judged you there's a problem but don't call them legalistic because God has rules he expects us to follow his rules but he also gives us the grace to learn to follow those rules and here they're telling them you know hey you know let let your daughters go let your daughters go because we're trying to help the tribe of Benjamin. And it's gonna take Benjamin a long time to come back from, from 600, 600 people. Because even when they get these wives out there, they're now only 1,200 people in the entire tribe of Benjamin. And it's gonna take them a little while to, to replenish that, that, that group. Verse 23, and the children of Benjamin did so. They took them wives according to their numbers of them that danced, whom they caught and they went and returned to their own inheritance and repaired their cities and dwelt there. Remember, they're having to fix their cities because the children of Israel had gone through Benjamin and destroyed all the cities. That's why there's no women. That's why there's no, no children. They had gone through and demolished everything. Uh, and it says they went and got the, the, the women, the, the women that were dancing. And this basically means that these were the virgins dancing and pray, you know, praising God. So they knew who to take. They weren't, they weren't stealing anybody's wives. They weren't stealing, they weren't stealing mothers. They were stealing, they were stealing the, the, the marriageable women. Okay, the ones, that, the ones that were virgins, the ones that were able to be taken as wives. And they took and they probably got out of there very quickly. I'm sure they did not hang around there very long once they, once they took these women. Because apparently the women did not know this was going to happen, so you can imagine the chaos. 200 men are rushing in, grabbing 200 women, and running away. And I am absolutely sure the women were not silent about this. They were probably screaming and hollering, you know, dad, brother, uh, uncle, whoever, you know, get over here, I'm being kidnapped. And then they were ran to Benjamin, and then of course the guys would be coming up. Okay, we need a, you know, we need we need a posse. These our women have been taken away. We need a posse, and that's when it came out. No, let this happen because we need they need they need wives. Yeah, how awful! You know, how awful for the women! All of a sudden they're taken away, and they're not even defended out of this deal. Yeah. Didn't they didn't know them. Well, you had arranged marriages all the time back then. Uh, so that wasn't uncommon for you not to know your husband. Uh, but this is even worse. I mean, you're not even being given to your husband by your dad. You know, you're just being, you're being stolen. You're being taken. You don't have a clue who, at least your dad hopefully has made a good deal and got you with a responsible man. He didn't go out and get the, the absolute bum of the, of the city you know, to, to give you to. Here, they don't know who they're getting. They're getting whoever comes and gets them. And this is a scary thing for the women. A rough time for their fathers and the, and the mothers who have lost their daughters to this event. You know, I don't know how many of them were dancing. It didn't tell us. But it says the congregation of Israel has gathered. And we know that they brought in a hundred and some thousand men to fight. So that means there's you know, many hundreds of thousands of people at this event. And so there's a good percentage of marri- marriable uh, aged women and all of a sudden they are taken away forcibly to who knows you know they don't, as being taken away they don't know who's taking them away they don't even realize it's Israelites that are taking them away as far as they know they're being taken out of Israel you know, until they finally get talked to and spoken to uh, verse 24 and the children of Israel departed thence in that time every man to his tribe and his family and they went out from thence every man to his inheritance. So everybody just left after this, after this feast. They all went back home. They did not go to Benjamin and try to get the women back because that's, that's what they had agreed to. Benjamin, come and get these women and we, we won't chase you. And again, the, the, dra- the drastic directions we will take sometimes when we're trying to get back out of the consequences of sin. And this is one of the reasons it's so important that we try not to sin in the first place. You know, try and ask God for deliverance and ask for his, Him to sacrifice our, you know, crucify our flesh, help us to live His way. Because trying to come back from the consequences of sin are hard. If you've offended somebody with your speech, you know, have you ever, let's keep it simple, have you ever been offended by a friend from something they've said? Or have you offended a friend? And I'm talking a friend, not an enemy or somebody you dislike. How hard is it sometimes to really get that relationship back, especially if it's a bad offense? You know, they accused you of everything under the sun. You know, they were just so mad at you and they just ripped you up one side, down the other side, made you feel miserable. You're the, you're the, the worst thing that's ever been, you know, walking on this face. And then they come back and say they're sorry. And because they're your friend, you, you want to forgive them. But will your friendship ever be the same as it was not likely can it be yes you can have God work a great miracle in your heart and you can totally forgive and forget that's not the normal okay these people have got a rift the children of Benjamin have a rift with the rest of the people they're going to be upset for from then on out because they were almost destroyed by the rest of Israel there's going to be problems with it they've had to kidnap their own you know kidnap women to be their wives that's going to be a problem between them and other families we got problems here and all of this comes down in verse 25 and we've read this statement several times in this section on this latter part in those days there was no king in israel every man did that which was right in his own eyes that is where we're headed in our world today that God is not the king of, the, of most people and they're doing what's right in their own eyes and evil is abounding and growing in leaps and bounds and causing all kinds of problems and we supposedly have kings in our area we still do what's right in our own eyes you know, we have government. All right, we're gonna end here next week. We're gonna start the book of Ruth. I like the, one of One of the greatest love stories in the Bible. Probably the greatest love story in the Bible, other than Jesus coming down. Uh, Esther is a great love story as well, but Ruth Ruth is one of those great love stories. Let's go ahead and pray and close. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, we ask you to go with us as we go about our business. Lord, teach us to be obedient to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.